But today we're going to start a new series that's going to take us uh, several weeks um, and into early November, um, which is crazy. The year is almost over, y'all. It's nuts. But this series is called Counterculture. Counterculture. We're going to be going through some, a variety of topics um, that might be counter to what culture is telling you right now. Later on in this series, a, a friend of Jenny and I, her name is Linda Seiler, She's a national director of Chi Alpha with the Assemblies of God. Linda is going to come as a part of this series and share her story of how when she was young, she struggled with gender dysphoria, and her, and her secret was that when she would graduate, she would have a sex change operation and change her name to David. And her story is how God delivered her, God healed her, took away those same-sex attractions and is now using her to teach and to transform a young generation to see the biblical worldview of identity and sexuality. It's going to be a powerful Sunday. You don't want to miss um, hearing her story and the impact she is now making around the world. I'll tell you, I've been, I've been telling Linda, I'm like, Linda, you got to come to New Life. Linda, you got to come to New Life. Linda's now a missionary that our church gets to support on a monthly basis because of your generosity. I'm like, Linda, we got to get you to new life. But, but she's becoming so sought after as a speaker, it's very hard to get her. And I'm like, and so finally, uh, we, we got her coming, and she's going to be a part of this series. You don't want to miss uh, any part of this. I'm looking forward to that. But counterculture is, is, a, is a culture where the values and norms of behavior differ substantially from the mainstream society. How many of you know that the kingdom of God is counterculture? It is counter to what is normative in society. Jesus was counterculture. Jesus did not fit the, the mold of the Roman Empire, and Jesus didn't fit the mold of the religious elite of that day. He, was, he started something new. He brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. We are not of this world. We're of another world. We're of a different kingdom. We, we don't, we, we're not labeled by a political party. We're labeled by the king of kings and lord of lords. We're counterculture. You can't fit us into a worldly box. You can't fit us into a one side of the aisle or another. We're of a different one. We're counterculture. And so just because something becomes common culturally doesn't make it correct. And too often there is a drift in ideology of that, that just aligns to what is common. But just because it's common doesn't mean it's correct. So we are of a kingdom that is counterintuitive to mainstream society but we're praying for heaven to come to earth and that we can bring an effect to culture and people can follow in the kingdom. And so today we're going we're gonna to start off this series by just talking about something that I hope will help guide us in every part of our discussion week by week by week. And that is that no matter what the topic is that we are going to be addressing, whether it be politics or racism or, or uh, homosexuality and sexual identity, whatever the topic is, we are looking at one thing. What is the truth? What is truth? And so we're just going to start off right now today talking about truth. What is truth? 
Because truth seems to be something that is evolving all the time. We find ourselves living in a world where truth seems to be relevant. Whatever's true for you might be true for you, but it may not be true for me, and so let's just agree that your truth and my truth are two different things. But I want you to know there is the truth. There is a truth. And so we live in this world where truth just seems to be fluid. It seems to be relevant. And too many have been convicted, or convinced rather, they've been convinced that truth lies within yourself. So you have to do some self-reflecting in order to find out what's true for you. And I, I, I just want to be the bearer of bad news today. If you reflect on the truth within you, you won't find truth. We all are born with this cancer, a, a, a sinful nature. And if you lean into what you feel, you will likely be led to a lie. So what is truth? Well, it, it, we're, too many are convinced that truth lies within yourself. So whatever uh, it is that you might think, whatever it is that you might feel, therefore, that must be what's true. So therefore, some base truth off of feelings, some base truth off of media, some base truth off of an article they read on the internet that was just striking. Some are basing truth simply off gifts and memes. But there, there is, uh, um, in a culture where majority rules, truth seems to be changing all the time. And if majority rules, truth will drift. So then the question is, what can we rely on in a world of fake? Because we are being sold things as true. In the free market, we are, we are constantly marketed and trying to be sold things as though this is the thing that is going to help improve your life in some way. So you need the outfit you need the new app, you, you need the new product, and we're being told these things are true. We have infomercials spamming our lives at all times. They usually just spam us in mail, then they start to spam us in phone calls, now they'll spam your email, now they'll spam your text messages. Everyone's trying to sell you their thing, their agenda, their product, and this is the thing that everyone needs. So what can we rely on to be true in a world of fake? And I would tell you, if you can identify what you can rely on to be true, it will give you such hope, such courage, and such boldness to be able to deal with the baloney that wants to tell you it's true. So what can we rely on? That is a question worth investigating. What can we rely on to be true? And I'll just tell you as a precursor that we believe that the Bible is the source of truth. It never changes. It's always the same. And it's from God. And it's a reflection that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that his truth is the truth. And it is so liberating to be able to have a standard that you can trust and obey and it doesn't change. Yet, 
very counterculture. John 18, 37, Pilate asks a question that 2,000 years later people are still asking. Pilate said, so are you a king? He asked Jesus. And Jesus responds, well, you say I am a king, and actually I was born and came into the world to testify the truth. All who love the truth recognize what I say is true. And Pilate says, what is truth? What is truth? This is a question 2,000 years later that our culture is still asking. What's true? What is true? A study of truth presents a unique challenge for our world because anytime one wants to discover what is true, they first have to define what truth is. And so let's just give ourselves maybe a bit of a working definition today in that truth is an understanding of the facts that corresponds to reality. It corresponds to reality. And I want you to know today that truth does exist. Truth can be found. Truth can be trusted. One of the challenges when we talk about truth in our culture is that we want truth only to apply to the physical world and not the spiritual world or the metaphysical world. Why, why, why do we demand, this is, this is the culture, the culture wants to demand concrete truth in the physical realm, but deny absolute truth in the spiritual realm. Prove to me that that thing works. Prove to me this. But in the metaphysical, in the spiritual realm, We don't want concrete proof. We want truth in the physical realm to be concrete and fixed. There is no room for broad-mindedness in the chemical laboratory. When they are developing the the, uh, medications that heal our bodies and and, and, and cure disease, they're not open-minded about what's true. They want precision facts results, facts that correspond to reality. Water is composed of two parts, hydrogen and one part, oxygen. True. There's, there's, no, there's no other truth than that. H2O. We all know it, and it is true. If it were not H2O, it is not what? It's not water. Okay? It is defined, it is true, and we like that. Physical, the truth of the physical realm to be fixed and concrete. Uh, uh, But we want truth in the metaphysical realm or to be in the spiritual realm. Culture wants it to be more fluid. Well, that's true for you, not me. Well, all religions are kind of the same. We don't want it to be fixed. We want it to be fluid, non-factual, or morally neutral, and open to interpretation. But that's not truth. We hold this position because spiritual realities make moral judgments about right and wrong. Jesus said, you, should, well, you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. The Bible doesn't just contain truth. The Bible is truth. It is truth. 
considers uh, these views of truth. And uh, I'm gonna, we're going to go through some different approaches here. Um, but let me be clear. If you are a Christian, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, the Scripture, the Bible is our standard of truth. We look to it for truth. We, we align ourselves to it. We don't take cultural norms and try to make the Bible fit it. That's backwards. So you can disagree with me. You may have opinions, different opinions, or even different interpretations, but you cannot deny the truth of God's word. You might think that Purdue is superior, but the Buckeyes just embarrassed them at their home field yesterday. I'm sorry. What are you wearing, Ben? It looks like your wife made you, a buck, made you wear a Buckeyes uh, uniform today. He doesn't want to talk about it. Everybody's going to go talk to him after service about it now. I need a picture of Ben wearing an Ohio State jersey. That is amazing. <laughs> All right, let's look at some different approaches to truth. Some different approaches. First, there's the cultural approach to truth. The cultural approach to truth is truth is my perspective. So this is how I see the world. Therefore, this is, this is what's true to me. This is my, truth is my perspective. And, and some have suggested that this is truth, that, tr- that personal perspective is personal truth. And, and the basis for their approach is is really rooted in personal opinion. My personal opinion is um, that Ohio State is the, the greatest football program in, in the NCAA. I'm preaching now. Some of you need an altar call. It's okay. But, but now, like, sure, we can, we can look at the data. So let's look at the data. They're undefeated this year, okay? Um, Purdue and IU are not. <clears throat> Excuse me. The basis of this approach, this cultural, this cultural approach, is really a basis of opinion. Your opinion, your perspective, now is true. Um, we can all uh, we we can all be like <laughs> uh, the men and women in a study they did about weight. And uh, there's this vast difference between truth and the perception of truth. And in a survey um, of American health, it was learned that 40% of overweight men, overweight men, said that they looked fine and they were at about the right weight for themselves. 40% of men, like, look at... 40% of overweight men say, good, I'm right where I need to be. In contrast, 30% of women that were not overweight, not overweight, 30% of them said they felt they need to lose a few pounds to achieve a healthy body and weight. So both groups were operating under a perception of truth rather than truth itself. 
Such thinking is what leads us to some potentially dangerous behavior. And to say that truth is relative or truth is fluid, truth is relative. Is that true? It's a self-defeating statement. Truth can be whatever you want. Well, then is that true? See, the statement in itself doesn't hold up under its own idea. It's self-defeating. So, this, so there's two outcomes then of cultural truth. The truth that is honestly a truth based on perception and opinion. The first outcome is truth is determined by consensus. So let's all vote today. Do we all agree that um, Gabe's Pizza is the best pizza in Kokomo? Oh, okay, okay, calm down. <laughs> People get all fiery. Uh, uh, so, so there is, in the cultural truth, cr- truth is determined by consensus. The problem with this is, is incidentally, this notion is the same notion that paved the way for Hitler. If truth is determined by consensus, we can make evil truth if we'll all agree. And just because we agree doesn't even make it true. Truth is not defined by consensus. So here, here we have finite minds trying to create truth when real truth exists outside of our finite being. Real truth was created, real truth is an infinite being, God himself, which is why we align to him, not the other way around. So the majority can trample the minority even if it's not actually true. So cultural truth is determined by consensus, which makes truth change all the time. But truth can't change. The second thing is uh, an outcome of cultural truth is truth is fluid because of relativism, which means it's whatever is relative to you. The idea of relativism has been summarized by the popular phrase, truth for me. But what happens when your truth is in conflict with my truth? Well, those that embrace relativism lack an objective standard by which to determine what truth is. Truth to them is simply an issue of experience. Or in short, the secularist believes that truth changes. Try this, try this relativism truth with your bank and find out just how open-minded that they are. My truth is, I can write this check. Well, your truth will come into conflict with the truth. You can't write that check. So this approach to the truth has led to the notion that every view, every perception, every concept, every idea should be tolerated and and respected, even if it's completely wrong. 
and because truth is based on the consensus of the majority or relativism, our culture attacks those that make exclusive claims to truth, like Christianity. When Christianity makes exclusive claims of truth, is attacked by being intolerant. If you've ever engaged in one of these conversations, let me give you a pro tip. If somebody asks you a potentially controversial question about something that obviously is tension in the topic, let's say someone's asked you the question, um, you're a Christian, right? You say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay, is what are your thoughts on homosexuality? It's a trap. It's a trap. This is how you respond. It's my favorite. You ask them this. You say, I would love to answer that question. Let me ask you one question before we, before we have this dialogue. Do you consider yourself to be a tolerant person? And by tolerance, I mean that you are open to ideas that you might not agree with that you uh, respect differing opinions? Do you consider yourself to be a tolerant person? They have to say yes. Because they believe you're the intolerant one, they're the tolerant one. So I just defined what tolerance is. And you're agreeing that you are open to other people's perspectives. And they'll say, well yeah, I'm tolerant. Like perfect. Well, then let's have this discussion. And they have been disarmed. And we can actually talk. That's my pro tip. So the cultural approach, the cultural view of truth actually isn't truth at all. It's really just opinion. And it doesn't tolerate exclusive claims so it's hypocritical. It demands not just tolerance, but it demands acceptance and celebration of their truth. The cultural view basically says, if my view of truth is fluid, then yours should be too. And it demands that anyone who claims that truth is absolute, they demand that you change your truth. If you claim that truth is absolute, then you are intolerant. Mm. Okay, so that's the cultural approach. Then there's the religious approach, approach to truth. And that the religious approach to truth is truth is our tradition. And there's many religions around the world. So so uh, what I'm saying, the religious approach, let's think world religion, okay? The basis for this approach is religious mysticism. Our world is full of religions, many, many religions. Each of them claims to possess the truth. And our so-called tolerant society tells us that they are right. And in short, the argument goes like this. All religions are basically teaching the same thing. But we need to ask, is that statement true? The statement, all religions are basically the same. We need to ask, 
Is that true? Can we or should we challenge religious beliefs? Yes. And as Christians, for the matter, we as Christians, we welcome those challenges. Amen? We welcome those challenges. If two religions make competing claims, there are only two options here. Either, they are, either both claims are false, or one is true and one is false. Both claims could be false, but both claims cannot be true. So comparison between monotheistic, which is the belief of one God, these would be belief systems like Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and polytheistic systems of belief, Hinduism, uh, animalism. These, uh, they, they, are, they both may be false. Monotheistic, polytheistic. One God, many gods. They both could be false, but they can't both be true. I know which one's true, though. Okay, so that's the religious approach. The scientific approach is truth is a collection of scientific facts. And the basis for this approach is verifi verifiable data. Show me the data. Many view science as an infallible God. Christians, in fact, fear questioning the findings of science uh, uh, less than uh, less we be viewed as uninformed. But we must be careful here because science has some inherent weaknesses when it comes to declaring truth. We must guard against assuming that the scientist is unbiased and neutral in dealing with the data because you can take the same data and depending on your worldview, come up with different conclusions. And so scientists, despite their claim to, uh, to the contrary, are equally influenced by professional bias. So they're, they're influenced by professional bias. Scientists are influenced by political correctness atheistic and evolutionary worldviews, and blind spots in their own thinking. This doesn't make the scientists evil, okay? It makes them human. And while the scientific approach can discover certain facts about our world, it cannot make any moral judgments in regard to those facts. Only God can. So furthermore, scientific truth does not necessarily affect human behavior. Have you ever heard a drug addict say, I was reading a math book and gave up my drugs. Or, I was reading a biology book and I was convinced I was going to stop lying. There are limits to the collection of data. Science cannot know everything. 
especially regarding the spiritual world. Now, there is a theology on the revelation of God, which is how God reveals himself to humanity and the world. There's two kinds of revelation. There is special revelation, and special revelation is the scriptures, that God is revealed in the scriptures. Special revelation would also uh, be categorized as the supernatural, the miraculous works of the Holy Spirit. And then there's another theological uh, view of revelation, and that is called general revelation. General revelation is how God is revealed in creation. This is speaking to what Romans talks about in chapter 1, that God is his invisible qualities are actually can be seen plainly by what he has made. Therefore, scientists that are discovering more and more about God's creation are actually just dabbling in general revelation and discovering more and more about God. And many of them don't know it. What they are doing is theologically correct. It is called general revelation, that God is revealing himself through what he has made, through his creation. And so some would say science and religion are at odds. I would say they're not. Science is one way that we can continue to discover more about God. It's awesome. Okay, so that's the scientific approach, that truth is a collection of scientific facts. But how does that affect morality? Well, it doesn't. The fourth approach is the scriptural approach. And the scriptural approach says that truth is a person. Ultimately, we are asking, has God spoken on this? And also, if, and if, if God has spoken on this, what has God said? As Christians, we believe that God has spoken and he has revealed himself through his word, the Bible, and consider these biblical truth, truths uh, true claims. And although this is not an exhaustive list of true, uh, truth claims, it's, uh, it's foundational for our, our understanding of truth in the world. John 8.32 says this, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I've got something really encouraging for you today. Truth exists whether you accept it or not. It exists. Those, those flat earthers that believe the, the earth is flat, well, the, the, the earth is a sphere whether they believe it or not. It is. Though someone can... Uh, uh, my, There'd be times when I was a kid, my dad would say, well, it's raining outside, and my older brother would say, no, it's not. No, it's not. And it's like, it's true, (laughs) no matter what you say. Truth exists whether you accept it or not. The reality of heaven and hell is true whether you accept it or not. So if the truth sets you free, then also the absence of truth creates bondage. 
which is why we shouldn't apologize for walking in the truth. Because those of us around us that are absent of the truth are led into bondage because it's the truth that sets you free. And we'll talk about how to deliver that truth uh, real quick here in a moment. So the presence of truth sets us free from bondage, which is why we take the responsibility of teaching the truth at New Life Church so seriously. It sets people free from bondage. Mark 17, John 17, 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. God's word is truth. Scripture, therefore, sets forth an ethical standard that surpasses what would be expected of just ordinary men and women. The Bible is truth. God's word, it, oh, this is so liberating. In the world where truth is always evolving, God's word never changes. We do. We change. Culture changes. We need the truth of the Bible to direct us back to God when we're lost. We need the truth of the Bible for further direction to launch into our future. It doesn't change. We change. We drift. We need a, a standard that can only be created outside of our finite being by an infinite God that we can align to in times that we have been lost. John 14, 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Truth is a person. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Which is why counterculturally, the culture wants to suppress the message of Jesus so much. Because it just might set you free. Hebrews 1, 1, long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And, though, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and, expre and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And when he uh, cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. And look at this, Ephesians 4.14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching and changing culture and the drift of truth. No, no, no. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they even sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ because Christ is truth. 
So how, how do we, how are we counterculture? As followers of Jesus, we are counterculture because we will speak the truth in love. Now, I want you to hear me very clearly. There is a difference between speaking the truth in love and loving to speak the truth. There's too many social media warriors out there. And what they're saying is true, but they are wrong at the top of their voice. Speaking the truth in love is different than loving to speak the truth. Loving to speak, loving to speak the truth makes you self-righteous. Loving to speak the truth, honestly, you could be a jerk and still be saying something true. No, no. It's about rooted in love, gracious in conversation, seasoned with salt. You can be right and wrong in the tone of your voice. You can be right in what you're saying and wrong in your tone. But we're talking about speaking the truth in love, not loving to be right, not loving to speak the truth. Do you hear me? Are, are, okay. So what's your thought on this? Well, let me ask you a question real quick. Do you, you consider yourself to be a tolerant person? Well, what about this? What about that? What do you mean by that? Let, let, let's, let's, let's converse on that. Here's what I believe, and here's why I think you should believe it too. Right? Speaking the truth in love. Because sometimes you can hear a message like this, and you're like, let's go to war, man. Counterculture. Woo! Facebook post, Blah! right? Okay, okay, I, I appreciate the zeal, I do. But the hard work is in the tactics of speaking truth in love, like Jesus would, like Jesus would. Don't be angry at people that have a different opinion than you. They don't have the truth, they're bound. You have the truth. You're free. You're liberated from the bondage. And how did you get there? Was someone a jerk to you to the point that you believed? I don't think so. I think all of our story was because somebody loved us enough to say, hey, come here. And we were a mess. We probably thought we were undeserving. But they took steps to lead us to being transformed and redeemed. I think every one of us has a story about somebody that believed in us before you believed in yourself. Someone that saw the image of God in you when you didn't even believe in God. Speak the truth in love, new life. Don't just love to speak the truth. Because the truth is not a weapon. <laughs> the truth is a key, and it sets people free. There's a big difference there. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, these are the words of Jesus, by the way. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil 
and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even terrorists do that. I added that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Do you see the counterculture that Jesus is speaking of here? Following Jesus is a countercultural movement. It's what it, this is what we do. We are a countercultural movement. But did you hear that from our leader? This countercultural movement, it's not brutal, it's effective though, and it's rooted in love, seasoned with grace. We don't compromise on the truth, but we also don't compromise on compassion. We, are, we will remain to be compassionate because compassion is countercultural. So let them see just how different we are. Let them see Jesus as the leader of this countercultural movement. They, they didn't know what to call this new movement. Early on, this new movement of followers of Jesus was just simply called the way. And then in the book of Acts, there's a group of people that labeled us as Christians. It was the secular world that labeled us as Christians. Because what they would do is they would take whoever your military leader is, and they would add ends at the end of it. So, uh, so if we were uh, followers you know, of, of my man Kevin here, he was our military leader, we would all be Kevinans. And it was the world that recognized these people have a leader, that they follow his orders, and we call them Christians. Because Christ, he is our king and our leader. And following Jesus is a countercultural movement. And if the culture looks mad, the culture is aggressive and brutal with their agenda. We're, we're counterculture, compassionate, with the tr but we are convicted and stand on what is true. And it's not a weapon, it's a key. And let's go into our world and let's unlock chains that have bound people and see people set free. Would you stand to your feet today? God, I thank you. You never change. We drift, we fall short, and it's so liberating to know that we can stand on something so firm that doesn't change, that stays the same, and we can align our life to that and be forever changed. Come on, let's worship God 
this morning one more time together with gratitude that he never changes. Thank you, Jesus.